man. Where does that's that's a man? That's it's, a topic. it's always it's always where a does good hammer time. fit in the annals of hip hop history? It's yeah, always, yeah, it's like you can throw yeah. hammer in any conversation. It's always and good it's time. always good. Like even when he was walking down the block, he was still dancing while he was walking. And his boy know. behind him, big big <laughs> big MC. Yeah, yeah, two big MC right behind him, jumping around like walking. <laughs> the b-side scoop isaac jahan author the music snobs welcome this is episode 16 of the music snobs podcast i'm your lead voice arthur and i am Joined as always with my cohorts, Scoop Jackson, Isaac Perry, and Jahan. And today we're going to talk about, well, two main topics today. One is going to be J Bay Incorporated, uh, focusing on Beyonce and Jay Z, the Carters, and the idea of when artists become corporations and industries unto themselves. And our second topic is going to be age versus art. Is an artist's creativity inextricably linked to their youth? Uh, all right, so let's get started. Jay Bay, Jay Z. <laughs> that just sounds nasty. <laughs> right, right, it does. It does. Jay Bay. Who came up with that one? Uh, Jahan. Jahan. <laughs> with his nasty so. <laughs> Jay Z is on one of the covers of Time Magazine's Top 100 Influential People issue. Uh, his blurb, his article, has a byline by Michael Bloomberg, the mayor of New York City. So a rapper. Grown up in the project, dope dealer. So, man, let's be honest. If they were gonna do, if Time Magazine was really ex dope dealer, well, no, no. If Time Magazine was accurate on what their definition of the word influential was, then we would have had this happen a long time ago. If you're really being honest about influence, don't act like Jay Z's the first cat from the hood that used to sling dope. You know, that became rapper that's had influence, large influence. Come on now, they, they, he did. He, 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 you know, this is late to the table on that. He's the most polished one that could probably be on the cover. But the Carters right. are regarded as the as hip hop's first billion dollar couple. I got that, but money is not necessarily what influences society. I mean, let's be real. I mean, Beyonce is in there on a solo tip, and they also have them in here as a couple. So they're in the magazine three times. I'm just saying that if you're talking about making, you know, putting Jay Z in, in your prelude, saying that he's a rapper from the projects, this and the other, he had influence, and he's finally being recognized. Hell, NWA should have been on this magazine 20 years ago. Because the influence they had on the entire black urban culture is just as much as it's not about money. That's all I'm saying. Well, we're not. Hey, we're talking about influence. Yeah, yeah, well, on this that, show, we're not champions of recognition. I mean, we take recognition with a grain of salt. Right. So much of the fact that Jay Z is, in fact, on the cover, and whether or not we consider it, there's somebody at Time Magazine that wants to put him on the cover to not only sell some units, but. To uh, to well, give him some kind of recognition. Well, let me ask the I other. Mean, Michael Bloomberg ain't just gonna write I, the article about. I got you, Nas. I got that's true. That's true. But let me ask the other Black Panther on the panel. When you do, when something like this happens to somebody like Jay Z, does this automatically mean that he's safe? Safe in the term of in the like he's non-threatening anymore. But yeah, there's influence. You know, there's NWA influence. There's even Clarence 13X influence. Isn't Jay and uh, Beyonce's influence much much more direct? At the moment, 
Like, I'm not querying NWA's widespread and long-term influence over the culture at large and then the domino effect that that has had on everything else. But right now, with advertising and endorsements and the in-your-face marketing that every single step they make so calculatedly is, is put on television screens and on radio waves, isn't their influence much more direct? Direct in the sense of direct, direct against what? Or direct on who? Direct distribution channel to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, this yeah. is the problem that I have with art becoming corporatized. Because corporations are about one thing. It's about making money, making profit. You know, individuals within the corporations may be about other things. They may have a certain passion for what they do. But the ultimate goal of a corporation is to turn a profit. So Jay-Z, to answer Scoop's question, I, a, absolutely, he's safe. You know what I'm saying? He's okay now. There are yeah, I agree. thousands of reformed or former uh, drug dealers who, you know, have turned their lives around and become, you know, whatever. Michael Bloomberg is not going to write a letter for them. He's right. not going to attach himself to them. And in that article, when you read that article in Time, Bloomberg says something ridiculous, you know, along the lines of... Uh, he, you know, Jay-Z uh, overcame the streets, whatever, which in a sense he did. Mm-hmm. But Bloomberg is not saying that in, t- in the sense of you and I would say that. Like, yeah, he he did what he had to do to survive. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's not what Bloomberg is saying. Right. Bloomberg is saying in the sense of, okay, he resisted these. Dude, do you know about this dude's past? Mm-hmm. You know, are you, do you understand? <laughs> and if you do, the only reason you're telling me, the only reason you're associating yourself with Jay-Z now is because Jay-Z has become safe. Jay-Z has reached a certain level of stature which entirely is connected to his ability to generate capital. Right. So this inexplicably, that influential on that's on time, come on, man. It's about who is making money right now. Now, everybody in there is not making money for, no. for this system, but in America, and, and I'm sure it's the same over in uh, the UK, mm-hmm. in America, the most influential people are the ones who are generating the largest profits for this machine. What you said, Arthur, a few minutes ago, I've heard that about 20 times this week. They're the first billion-dollar couple Money in America means so much. It's, it transcends mm-hmm. art. You know what I'm saying? It it's more important than their art right now. Yeah. To me, artists are at their best when they're iconoclasts, when they go against what this system stands for or they're, they're provocative. He could have been on here eight years ago. He could have been on here eight. He, Ten years ago. There's, but to your point, there's a whole lot of other artists. Let's just stick with MCs because that's what he is. There's a whole lot of MCs to me who are much more influential within their art. Now, Jay-Z is, quote unquote, a businessman. You know what I'm saying? So right. he is, is he the, you know, is, I think the question is, is he a better businessman at this point? But that's than why he he's always covered his magazine, not because of his art, because of his exactly. business. That's exactly. what we're getting at. Right. Exactly. exactly. And, that is, and that is the problem. That the essential, you know, question that we brought up in this topic, you know, J-Bay Incorporated and how does corporat- corporatization hurt or help your artistry? To me, it always hurts it. Always. Mm. But part of my role is to play devil's advocate from time to time. And in that vein, he's not resisting this. He sat for these photos for Time magazine. Oh, no doubt Ten years ago, he was not personal friends with the president of the United States. Ten years ago, he was not married to the, the quote unquote, uh, most desirable woman in music. Right. So there's an image that he didn't have 10 years ago that he has now. But he had influence. See, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on the word influence and influential to be exact. <laughs> Just because you know the president, just because you're married to Beyonce, does that make you more influential? I'm talking about the impact he had on society through his art what was about, much more influential eight years ago than it was What about now. his impact in bringing, in bringing the Nets from New Jersey back to Brooklyn? What about what about, money move. What about his money selling? Move. Money. What about his, but, it, ah, but it's influence. It's, it's he, owned less it's than 1%, he, was, he owned less than 1%, but, he, but whenever you talked about the Brooklyn Nets, 
press or or otherwise it was all about jay-z why is bringing them back over. okay but what, but, but okay but <laughs> what, what about the influence of millions and millions of kids that's not happening right now because now they're following somebody else but eight years ago millions and millions of kids only wanted to be this dude that's it. Well, it wasn't about buying a damn basketball team or this. And it was kids like, dude, the influence Michael Jackson had on the entire culture where people like you have societies dressing like him, mm-hmm. following every move yeah. he made. Jay-Z was that cat eight to 10 years ago where everybody wanted to be him. To me, that's the influence I'm talking about. But what made And that has nothing him, to do with money. But what made him, what made Time Magazine put him on the cover? He's evolved. And like Isaac said, it's business now. This is not about him being an MC at all. I agree and I disagree with Scoop. As always. <laughs> <laughs> the influence that Scoop's talking about, it's much more difficult to measure that. I think the measurement is so much more complicated. I agree with you, Scoop, that his influence is far-reaching and really, really deep within the culture 10 years ago. But in terms of, I think, what we're saying, him being a conglomerate or him being a corporation... Not until this point. And I don't even think, actually, at this point, I almost don't even think it's him on his own. I think it's him and Beyonce together are the corporation. Mm-hmm. But the question I would have is, are they the CEOs or are they simply a great product from a particular corporation that's not run by them? Well, I, th- I think they're the CEOs of their their segment of this larger picture. I think that to Arthur's point about the Brooklyn Nets, like you said, Jay-Z owns less than 1% of the Nets. It's about to go now because he's... He's about to sell it? Yeah, to become an agent. So... Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> right, he should talk to somebody. Yeah, he should talk to LeBron's old people. You know, see how that works. That's, that's a, that's a but yeah, you know, if you look at, if you look at what, that, what they did in the rollout of the Nets and how they used Jay-Z as kind of the figurehead of this, knowing he only owns less than 1%, that was a business move. They know Jay-Z has pull still with, you know, the younger generation. They know his stature within the music industry and, and, and culture in general. So they used him as a, um, a figurehead for this organization. Jay-Z brought the Nets back. Did Jay-Z really bring the Nets back? No, no. He played a role in it, but he wasn't the main person involved in that deal. Right. But he was on the cover of the magazines and, you know, talking about it. So it was a business move. This influence that Time Magazine is talking about is strictly based on um, in some way, shape, or form, it's always going to come back to money. Even if the people, some of the people represented in, in there aren't millionaires or billionaires, they're making somebody else millions and billions. Right. Um, I think even, I, I would, you know, Jay and, and Beyonce, to your point, uh, Jahan, I think that they definitely are a conglomerate together. I think almost... Jay Z's choosing of Beyonce. I'm not going to say he's a business move. I'm not going to say. Say it. I'm not going to say it because I don't know the brother and I don't know her. So I'm I'm definitely not going to say that. And I would, I would hope that that it wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't be the case. But it wouldn't surprise me if that didn't influence it all. You know, saying I like this chick. You know, we have a good time together. You know, and plus together we a power couple. And one day people will be talking about us as the billion dollar couple. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Jay has always been very, very business focused from the many, from the time when he was on the and street. And so has she, if you think about it. Oh, absolutely. So that's what kind of makes that plausible is that, <laughs> you know what, this could have been, I mean, they could. Yeah, her father, they come from the same stock, essentially. Yeah. If she would have been born where he was born and doing, she probably been on the streets too. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they have that same mentality. But to the point of this conversation, I always feel like that type of business hurts art. Look at Usher. Six or seven years ago, Usher said blatantly, I forgot which magazine interview it was, he said, I'm a businessman and then I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. And now you can see that in the choices he's made since then. Well, Jay-Z's line, I'm not a businessman, I'm, I'm a, a businessman. Business and now put, put now it's almost like it's almost like a blessing and a curse because for Jay and, and some of these other cats, R. Kelly, all these cats who are strictly about 
willing to do whatever it takes to stay in that limelight. It works out for them business-wise. You know what I'm saying? They get paid. But then you look at the cats who, when we sit down and we talk about the most influential artists of all time, none of them cats were strictly, were really business-minded. In fact, many of them were terrible at business. Well, here's my question. Is the reason we're having this conversation now where you have a Jay-Z and Beyonce that are strictly focused on uh, uh, separating the business and the art and making sure that the business stays at the forefront of what they do from a creative standpoint, is that because historically you look at how musicians have suffered and had nothing to show for the art that they've created? Had they looked at the past and seen too many, you know, VH1 stories, too many unsungs where cats have, you know, money has just been depleted well, and depleted and depleted, and they're going to make sure that never happens to them. I think so, because even Jay, has, even, even Jay has said that he overcharges people for what they did to the cold crush. Right, exactly. And I don't think this, what's wrong with wealth building? What's wrong with- Well, if art suffers from it then, but at the same time, if, if, I I know that Jahan wants to speak, I think he's going to speak on that. If you're trying to, what's more important that you create art and have it stolen from you, you have nothing to show for it in the end monetarily, or that you do what you can and the art has to suffer as long as you and the generations behind you don't go broke. Well, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. But I'm with you too. I mean, I think that's part of, I think that is part of Jay-Z's strategy. I mean, Drake- Jay has also rhymed about how he wishes he could rap like Common. Yeah, but he said rapping he like Common Sense no, does no, not no. make he Common Sense. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> but he, he he said it's a choice though, right? It's a choice. He chooses not to or, or to rhyme like Talib. He right. chooses to do it differently. And I think but, that because of his choice that, he's, that he and his wife have been elevated, his wife by extension as far as what his decisions are, have been elevated to these kinds of status. I mean, let me, let me ask, a, let, me, let me just ask a question. If Jay Z by himself went to Cuba, do you think there'd be headlines? No. And you talking about right now in 2013? Right. Yes. No. Yes. If he went by yes. himself, yes. Conversely, no, you think if Beyonce reached, went by, him, he, by herself, I don't think yes. so. he's reached that. Jay Z has reached that level at this point where if he does something, the spotlight is on him. Once you go to the White House and kick it with the President of the United States, the spotlight's on you. So if he would have went to Cuba, would the headlines been a, as big as they were with him and him and Beyonce? Maybe not, but okay. there would have been mention of that. Okay. So there'll be mentioned, but my mum wouldn't call me and tell me, oh, Jay-Z went to, to Cuba. Probably she did call right. me and say Beyonce went. That's, you know what? Somebody said on a radio show I heard, if Kanye, Kim Kardashian, uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce were on a plane and the plane crashed. Who's the first name? Who's the first name that would be mentioned? Beyonce. Yep. Automatically. And they said uh, in that conversation, Kanye may not even get a footnote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, I think it's exaggeration. Right. He'd, but, but, but he'd be the low man in that. It would, in go, that. It would go Bay, Bay Jay, Jay, Kim, Kim Kanye. Kanye. Ouch. Or maybe the pilot, then Kanye. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Stewardess. <laughs> right, right. Flight attendant. Excuse right, me. Right. Hey, but listen, there's, there's nothing wrong with wealth building. In this, in this system that we live in, you have to you know, to build some wealth to survive. The problem that I have when we talk about art is that almost uh, unavoidably art suffers when you start becoming a industry because now you have people to answer to. Jay cannot go out and just do whatever the hell Jay wants to do like he could have 10 years ago. Right. He has people to answer to, meaning he'll claim almost, he can. He'll claim he can. Yeah, because that's part of his image. But that's part but of what can't. Jay is saying. Who's the CEO of this thing? That's, right. that's he, part of what Jahan said. You know what? But see, I, don't think they are, I don't think they are the CEOs. And that's a good point. I think that, I think that all this is is a more high tech evolved form of endorsement. That's all it is. I think he's you know what, Jay, to your point, I think he's they're the CEO. But the more important thing is that they have stockholders. So they have to answer to a board. Good point. You know what I'm saying? Good so point. it's like he may be Jay and, and Beyonce may be CEOs. But they are not free. Art is about freedom. 
You know what I'm saying? People depend upon artists to say the things that matter to this society and to to get things out there that otherwise they cannot be articulated by the average mm. cat. Mm. No, artists, people no, depend upon artists, whether those are uh, musicians, writers, painters, movie makers, whoever. They depend upon artists to articulate what the masses cannot articulate themselves. When you have to answer to a, into a board, when you become an industry, your ability to articulate those things suffers. Okay, that's why I say if you look at the greatest artists in in any genre, usually you know it's it's, it's sad, but usually they aren't good business people. You right, know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, the that's business right. suffers. But I, you know, I'm not mad at Jay or anybody else for saying, you know what, I want to take care of this money. So like you like you guys said, but, the next generations don't suffer. But I'm not going to pretend that Jay being in Time Magazine has anything to do with his influence as an artist. It has to do with his influence as a money machine. He's way past any kind of need to provide for his family, right? Mm -hmm. So is she. So so are so many of the other artists that you've mentioned. And there are other... There are other genres and other types of artists who've also made a huge amount of money, like U2, for example. Um, Huge amount of money. Rolling Stones, huge amount of money. Why aren't they the industries that Jay and Beyonce are? Because I don't, I was about to say, I don't think they're woven into the fabric of pop culture the way that Beyonce and uh, Jay have been, especially urban pop culture. And urban pop culture basically, a lot of times, is the lead voice to where pop culture, you know, goes throughout the world. Um, you have two people that are the centerpiece of urban pop culture. And okay, that's today. That's today. But tell me why in history. Nobody else has whether it's because I, I don't think I don't think up until this point, I don't think business and uh, music have been married the way they are in the open. I don't I'm not sure that the musician as the mogul or as the business person has been as sexy as it is now. Right now, it's very well accepted, you know, for a business for a musician to say, hey, I'm a businessman. Now, Mick Jagger would have said that in 1973 that really wouldn't have been sexy because the culture would have been like, dude, what are you talking about? You, are you going to wear a suit to the mm. next concert? What That's do you mean? Point. That's not, but Jay-Z wearing a suit or presenting himself as a capitalist. And let's, let's not ignore the racial context of this. We as African-Americans perceive capitalism and, you know, that sort of business acumen as success. Whether or not That's it's actual, whether or not it's actual success or not is not a conversation that we usually engage in. Mm-hmm. We see a cat in business suit present himself in a certain way and we say, hey, this cat is successful. He's wearing a suit. He's sitting at a board meeting. This is great. Uh, young white kids in the 1960s and 70s weren't perceiving it that way. So the Rolling Stones and these other groups did not have to present themselves that way. And, and that probably would have been a downfall for them to do that. But, okay, go ahead, go ahead, Scoop. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, at the same time, I don't think the opportunity was available for other groups back in the day to do what Beyonce just did and basically merge a, sing- a single a song release connected to a store or a brand right. like True. H&M. True. Right. You don't know whether that's a song or a commercial. That wasn't allowed back then. It wasn't available. But nowadays, the way things have gone, the way the way business and music have have merged into a, a singular entity, Beyonce can get away with what she just did. She released a single, an actual single for H and M. Actually, 10, 20 years ago, they were doing it. They were just doing it for free. They Wait. were doing it for free. They were just mentioning labels or whatever in songs. They were doing it for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but hold hold on, hold on, hold on. And I'm gonna tread very carefully. Because I'm gonna talk about Kiss. Uh, Here we go. go. Oh Lord. (laughs) Did you not learn your lesson? (laughs) Kiss was a money-making machine in the 70s. They sold music. They sold concerts out. They sold action figures. They sold comic books. They sold Halloween costumes. 
They sold makeup. <laughs> they sold lunch boxes. They sold Which coloring books. Arthur had all of these things. Wait, so what did Jackson buy? <laughs> Arthur had so, every single so one I'm of the items is, he just mentioned. And what I'm saying is, is what I'm saying is that there there are examples in in history where the where the group mm-hmm. is greater than the sum of its parts. Another example, but not as successful, mm-hmm. Wu Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. Yes, Wu Tang Clan. Ten years ago, what's this? Ninety two. Uh, because we're 10 years after 36, right? Yeah. So eight years ago. What were those action figures of Kiss depicting them doing? They Playing in, the guitar. Right. Are we going to see any action figures of Jay-Z out on the corner slanging? No. No, but you got an action His, figure of Ghostface with a, with a belt and a bathrobe. Right. Wu-Tang is true to who they are. What I'm saying is that that sort of commercialization was directly tied to who they were as artists. Jay-Z's current commercialization is not tied to who he is as an artist. Mm-hmm. It's tied to who he is as a business person. But Beyonce's is. And see, the problem, the problem that uh-huh. I have with right. Beyonce and that H&M example is that this is how it stifles her creativity. If exactly. Beyonce wants to go to H&M and say, okay, y'all want to do a song? I got this song where I'm calling everybody a bitch. Let's roll with that. H&M be like, um, you know, hey, we, we don't want that associated with our brand. Right. Now we got but, a problem. Go ahead, But let's Jeff. be fair. They haven't compromised themselves artistically. They're as diluted and banal <laughs> as they were. Like, thank you, my brother. With H and M or with my brothers. <laughs> so you're saying, so the, hey, Jay, Jay, that means that they were perfect for this role. I mean, R and B. R and B. R and B abstracts who you are. What do you mean? R and B. You you know you can be you you can be the smartest kid in the class and have a number one R and B record. And nobody's really getting it, you know. And your image, your 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 public image related to the song that turned number one, may be very, very, very different than who you are. But hip hop has a way of of the authenticity is out front. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, what we think is the authenticity, right? Good point. Yeah, but the, look, man, the way you you're not gonna you're not gonna be exposed if you're talking about you're being hard. Hmm. It's not going to take too too long before you get to be get exposed by somebody who is who who has a problem with you. I mean, uh, when uh, when when Ice Cube left N.W.A., Ren and uh, Easy were talking about Ice Cube and how he was, you know, how 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 he didn't grow up in Compton, how he was from, uh, you know, some suburb. <laughs> but he wrote all my he, rhymes. But he, right, but he wrote all my rhymes. <laughs> right, exactly. He wrote everything <laughs> for us. He I say it's a paradox, but I'm right. just saying it's like you know, hip hop. No, I see has what a way you're saying. Of, the, the authenticity expectation is higher. I don't higher think Jay would last. I don't think Jay would 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 last this long if he wasn't. But to, wasn't but authentic. you know what? To John, to John's point, I'm not saying Beyonce and Jay Z have sold out. To John's point, I think they've always been like this. You know, they're tailor made for this type of corporatization. This is what they wanted. You know they want oh, to be. I'm agreeing with. They you. want to be the first billionaire couple, and if that if their art has to fit within that business paradigm, they're perfectly cool with that. Let me. Me personally, I'm just more interested in artists who are willing to make one million dollars a year as opposed to a one billion dollars. But why Jay Z? Their art does not have to. Why Jay Z? Why not Will I Am? How come Will I Am isn't on the inside cover of Time Magazine? He's not as fly. He's not as fly. His his catalog, you know what I'm saying? Jay-Z is on the cover now because of where he is right now. How he got to that point, that road began with him as an artist. You know, we're not denying that fact. It began with him as a recording artist and the catalog and the following that he built because of that. Will I Am does not fit the I'm going to if Will I'm sure Will I Am has probably been to the White House and probably met oh, Obama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But who cares? You know what I'm saying? It's like who cares? Jay Z has built enough cultural uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for? Equity. Right. Good um, word. 
to where he can, you know, he makes moves and it's, it's news. And it, it goes it, back it to my point about being, who really is Will I Am influencing? Dance clubs. If that. <laughs> it goes back to what I said. When, when you have an influence over urban America, it stretches across the world. Because basically the world from a, from a cultural standpoint follows what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And when you influence what we do, and that's what Jay-Z was doing this 8, 10 years ago. When he had black society in America on lock. Will I am doesn't have that. Mm-mm. It's it's very interesting. Maybe it's another topic, but it's very interesting that place. It's like a planet that exists where you can have this pull over urban America. Yeah. But you're safe enough to where Bloomberg can still write an article about you. You know well, what I'm saying? It's, it's a very it's a planet with a very small population. Well, I think the most interesting question to me is how has he managed to how have both of them actually managed to retain that pull over urban America in the face of quote unquote selling out or in the face of appealing to such a mass market of different colors and different creeds. That's why I give, I mean, as much as we're being critical of them, that's why I give them credit for. Mm. Because they've able, they've kind of been able to balance both because they don't. It's very difficult. It's it's very difficult because Isaac used the word sellout and they have not been deemed sellouts yet. And we're not even talking about, we're not even talking about them in the sense of being sellouts. Right. We're talking them being able to handle a left brain right brain situation where you're dealing with creativity and business that we very rarely see exist they've been able to do that and still not lose their footing inside of urban culture and i think they've been able to do that jahan to your question is every now and then not being so far removed from urban society not basically being apologetic about who they are not separating themselves from black society hmm. but also Every now and then, dipping their foot back in just to remind us that they're there. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you just mentioned the song that came out before the H&M thing where Beyonce said, bow down, bitches. That's that dip into mm-hmm. urban society. Right. Like, look, I haven't, you know, don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm. I can still get down like this. Mm-hmm. Okay. You so know, and, and Jay would do something like, you know, he'll do an American gangster. Mm-hmm. You know, where he, where, where he tries to get in. Like, look, you know what? I'll let you I'm all know. Or, you know or, he'll, or he'll show up on somebody's... He'll, He'll do a guest appearance. Guest appearance. On somebody that is so underground, mm-hmm. you know, they were like, whoa, what is he doing flowing with this? You know, he'll do that. at the same that. time, do a very mainstream guest appearance. Exactly. It's the next five years for these two are critical. And they both know this because they have to kind of move into that space. And they're doing it successfully right now. They have to move into that space of rap slash R&B slash urban royalty mm-hmm. to the point where... They can do just a little bit enough, like you said, to stay relevant, but they don't want to do too much where they risk losing their status as safe. So they have to stay relevant, stay safe, become royalty. That's the easiest way to do it is to become royalty. It's like where Madonna is for her culture. You know what I'm saying? It's like it doesn't matter what if the album she releases terrible. Mm -hmm. She's still Madonna. You know, she still has that stature. And that's that's why I think they're I'm going to throw this out there very crazily. I'm going to let you I'm going to throw this out very crazy. Do you think it's a coincidence that their rise in this area as far as being royalty and not losing their quote-unquote their aesthetic black audience coincides with the Obamas? Oh, absolutely. I, I think I don't know if it coincides. Because I know that it's been helped by the Obamas. That's what I'm getting at because that's the example that basically allows them to be who they are. Because right, Michelle at- and Barack have not been looked at as sellouts or turned their backs against black society because they basically kind of lived in both worlds and being looked at as royalty because of the positions that they have but also staying true to where they came from and I think I don't know if Beyonce and Jay-Z this is maybe just a pie in the sky comment but I don't think they'd have been able to go do what they've done over the last five years without 
having Michelle and Barack or President Obama do what they've been able to do to lead by example? Well, I think that it's 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 been helpful for them because they they do parallel each other as couples. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, and it's and to me it's it's critical of our our community because it doesn't matter. Um, uh, Obama, for instance, it doesn't matter what policies or what his decision making is. He's still going to be regarded in a certain level of esteem within our community simply because of who he is. Same with Jay and Beyonce. They they are trying to reach that level where it really doesn't matter too much of what we do. We are considered royalty. We will get this certain respect and have this sort of cachet both within our community and at the boardroom on Wall Street. All right. Well, let's close it there. Uh, I want to debut a new segment that we've been working out called the What If segment. Give me an example, Isaac. You, you you gave me a comic book example. I think it was Marvel and DC. Well, you know, back in the um, the eighties, and I think it was even started in the late seventies, but back in the eighties, I know, for instance, because I collected them, uh, Marvel did this series called What If, and it was it was always cool because it was it took place in like an alternate universe. So it was like, what if so and so they would take some monumental event, um, like you know Peter Parker getting bit by the spider. Well, what if it didn't bite him? What if it bit Flash Thompson or Mary Jane? You know, so then it was like, boom go off, you know, do a 40 page comic book on that scenario and see what would have happened had that incident changed. So it's like that, that pivotal moment, you know what I'm saying? That watershed moment or that turning point and looking at it and just going the opposite way and seeing what, you know, how that would have played out. So let's do this musically. What if Tupac signed with Bad Boy instead of Death Row? Mm, that's a good one. First and foremost, I think they would both still be alive. Oh man, see, I, I didn't even want to go there. No, 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 no. No, he, uh, he would have. Tupac, Shug Knight would still have taken him out. He'd have just lost. Thank you, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jahan. He'd have just lost. See, Jahan, thank you. Just lost you can say that you you safe over there in the UK. Oh, you about to get us put on a hit list? No, no, no. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. Shug Knight would have still taken him out. Probably would have taken him out a lot sooner. He would just have lost all his cash a lot sooner too. Yeah. Damn, I thought we were gonna stick straight with the music side of this. Y'all went straight towards the murders. Well, <laughs> who would have lived? Who would have died? <laughs> right, right. It's like an episode of Law and Order all of a sudden. Right. Okay, look. I well, think- I put it this way. We would have never heard of Mace. <laughs> Mace would have never existed. a bunch of other cats. Right, exactly. Black <laughs> Rob would have never been Black found. Rob, right. G-Dep, uh, none of them cats. Right, none of them cats. Pac was always of, of two coasts. He was yeah. that one cat who was mm-hmm. of two coasts. Because he had Baltimore in his system. Baltimore, New York. He's born in New York, mm-hmm. Baltimore, yeah. and then Oakland. Easy Moby was all over Me Against the World. Right, Thank so if you, you look at these two albums and compare Me Against the World with All Eyes on Me, which he wouldn't have made had he been with that. Right, right, right. Uh, me Against the World was mostly East Coast. It sounded East Coast right. to me. Easy right. Moby and these other cats. Although Shock, although Shock G was all over. From Ready to right. Die. Although Shock G was on both. If he was on Bad Boy, we would have had Tupac on a couple of Primo beats, maybe. That's what maybe I'm saying. Have, the right. East Coast, that East Coast aesthetic. To me, I'm asking you guys, what worked best for Pac? Was it that East no, Coast I mean, aesthetic or West Coast aesthetic? Can you imagine Tupac on Unbelievable? Like yeah. Angry Park on Unbelievable. Right, I think the East Coast aesthetic worked better. Oh, yeah. But then you would have been see, on those. He wouldn't have been Angry Park like that. Yeah, he, he would have been Angry Park after he his got. His anger was personal. Yes. And it was directly because of the East West, yes. right? Because of what was going on. I, I don't know. I don't know. Was it personal? I don't or was know. It he business? might have been the kind of guy nah, who found a reason. What? Found a reason. He to might get have mad. been the kind of guy who found a reason to be angry, or he just, you know, some people just that amount of passion and fury, that amount of energy. I don't necessarily know that it always comes from something mm-hmm. that happens, like an external factor. Mm-hmm. I think people who channel that much hate and that much fury into something, 
like something that ultimately okay, but his, who would it have been, business, who, who would ultimately. it have been directed at? Because at the time it was directed at a, he's not gonna do that to a label mate. Shook, <laughs> Shook, you know what I'm saying? Right, mate, right. He would have he would have found what well, to Jay's point he would have found somebody. I'm sure he would <laughs> Mace. <laughs> <laughs> but check it out. But check it out. If you look at when he came out of prison. And, you know, uh, Suge Knight had got him out, you know, paid his bail or whatever in exchange for that album. I felt as a, you know, as, as a kid, as a consumer, I just felt like Pac kind of like jumped on their side and it's like, okay, whoever you hate, I'm a hate. Right. Regardless right. of whether it was personal or not. Okay, you got beef with them cats. Now, that's just... Right on our enemies. Pac came, Pac came out like that. He came he came across as that type of cat. Like, right. I'm down with you. So whoever got beef with you, I got beef with. Right on our enemies. Here's my bigger question is that... Would he have had the same influence had he had it? He had signed a bad boy. I think he would have had more. You think so? Yeah, because man, he lost a lot of respect when he signed to Death Row. Yeah, uh, definitely with me. I th- I th- but that, I, but I that's internally, a- externally, he became, I thought, global. He became the voice of the West Coast. I don't think he would have become the voice of the West of the East Coast. He had too much going up against him. He had too much competition in the West Coast. He had no because Ice Cube basically had kind of. You know, once he came Retired. here, he did the right. He had done, so Pac became. I don't think if he had signed with Bad Boy, he would become the voice of the East Coast. So his influence would have been different. I don't think he would have become the voice of the East Coast, but I think that with Puff behind him, because I, 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 I'm look at what Puff was. At. Puff was at his zenith at that point. Man. He was. I mean, dude was like that was Faith, that was 112, that was Total, that was Biggie. It was just like everything was blowing up. Insert Pac into that mix And as prolific as Pac was You know Recording two or three albums a year Yeah but he was doing that But he was was capable of doing it You know what I'm saying So I I just I feel like Pac superseded Because Pac was a cultural movement You know what I'm saying In and of himself Mm. So I think that yeah He wouldn't have championed the East Coast Like he did the West Coast But he would have been capable of doing it Because he was was Oakland So he didn't have to to be like I'm LA Do you think that he would Do you think that he would have stifled Jay-Z Do you think that he would have Sucked some of Jay-Z's oxygen Out of the room In 96 Yeah Because after after Biggie Well it depends If Like y'all saying Biggie would have still been alive Then that would have stifled Jay-Z You know what I'm saying Everything would have stifled Jay-Z Or would have forced him to be a better MC That's my thing. The one thing I think that, that, that my biggest now flaw with Jay Z, I said before. that before. The biggest flaw with Jay Z is that he lost all his competition. Mm-hmm. He's a good enough MC to rise to the challenge if somebody's challenging him. I think if Pac would have been on Bad Boy, we may have seen a different, a better MC. Oh, maybe Jay-Z. everybody would have had to step, step up the game this. up. Maybe it Nas would have came with another Illmatic. <laughs> but that's what, it. Goes back to what? See, like, this should have happened. See, <laughs> <laughs> it would everything would have taken or, to another level. Or maybe maybe Tupac would have been mad peaceful. Maybe he wouldn't have had the anger. Maybe he wouldn't have got a thug life tattoo. Maybe it would have been hug life or shrug life. Maybe <laughs> maybe it would have his anger. Hey, yeah. but let's, let's shrug life. It's cool. No matter. It doesn't matter. We'll be stoic about let's it. Let's remember He'd his anger. Tattoo of Miss Piggy on his chest. Huggy, huggy <laughs> life. Huggy life. <laughs> his anger wasn't always directed at other rappers. His anger a lot of times was angry was directed at the establishment. So it's like he he could have got even more political. You know what I'm saying? Because to me, when he went to death row, he lost a lot of that political edge to him. He still had it in every single mm-hmm. interview. He's he like, could, I think we said it before, he's like the, the best interviewee of all time, right? We think in, in a hip hop context. Oh, you know what I just thought of? He probably would have done some guest appearances on one guest appearance or two guest appearances on the X-Clan album. Oh, I'm oh, saying, man, he should have stayed on the East Coast, man. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> something. But X-Clan predated him. Yeah, but they'd have come back for him. <laughs> Brother Jay was only 19 when he was doing that. So yeah, to have somebody like true. Pac that was so politically yeah, you remember, know, grounded. Remember right. Pac's ver- first verse on uh, that Digital Underground? That was like an X-Clan re- yeah. you know, remix. You know, it was weird that he never did 
anything with Paris. I always found that mm. odd. Mm. Yeah, they'd have got shot. They'd have gotten shot. Y'all keep coming back over. to the homicides. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of what it's all so about. So what? What if? I, you know, to me the answer. What if? You know, stuff would have been better. Stuff would have been better. <laughs> stuff would have been better. I, I still don't think that he would have been as influential. I, I think his global influence would have not been the same because I really believe he became for a period of time the voice of an entire coast and a voice that became a movement that kind of transcended music because mm, it did I become an East Coast, West Coast thing. But I don't think his voice would have been resonated that much. I agree it, with it that. And to Suge Knight's credit, that was the reason he wanted to get him. He knew that. you Because right. if you remember at that point in time, the focus had swung. You remember it was in New York, swung back, swung to L.A. in the late 80s. Now it has swung back to New York with right. Biggie mm. you know, and Nas and them. So Suge Knight knew, I need a cat on and, my team. And here's you know the thing. Who can bring it thing. back out who, here. If, if Pac wasn't there, if Pac was here a bad boy, who would have Suge Knight have found nobody. to be that voice? He couldn't. Snoop was he had dope, Snoop, but, but that was he not can't, enough. He wasn't enough. You um, needed somebody, and there has not been another Pac. So that's the thing about it. I don't. He wouldn't have found anybody. Mm -mm. There's still not an MC. And the first song, California Love, cemented that. It was like, this is it. You know, this is my coast. I think Jahan said it best. If you really look at the deep ripple effects that this would have had, if he had signed with Bad Boy, there there is some truth to the matter that Suge may have found a way to take him out. You know, all jokes aside, but Biggie would still be alive. And if Biggie's still alive, pushing Jay to be a better MC. Mm. You all, know what I'm saying? Because that was the competition. We benefit. We benefit. Right. Yeah, listeners benefit. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. The what ifs are going to be around for a while. Um, our second topic for today is age versus art. If the arc of creativity for an artist is inextricably linked with their, their youth. Jahan, I want to ask you to start us off. Definitely. I mean, there's so many questions that are wrapped up in here, actually. Does creativity depend on a lack of life experience? Does it depend on youth? Does life experience, is that a hurdle to blind courage? Is this something that, is, uh, that captures all of art? Or does it only capture music? Or does it only capture one type of music? Is the best creativity courageous? If the best creativity is courageous, can only young people create in a blindly courageous kind of way? Well, personally, I think this is why I thought Jahan was going to go because he mentioned it earlier in, in, in the other segment about uh, Jay-Z talking about at this point in time, he's not worried about feeding his family. And as you get older, if you progress in whatever art you do, you become less and less hungry for that. And I think it impacts your creativity. You, you don't do things to have to feed yourself or feed your family anymore. You know, and I don't know if it's connected with age, you know, but I think, you know, there are some artists who don't prosper and, they, and, and just their creativity leaves them. But the hunger to find a way to make something happen through whatever comes out of your body creatively suffers as you get older. Because once again, if you prosper, as you get more successful, as you get more or just prosper or more comfortable in your life, let's put it that way, you get more comfortable in your life. You know, it's, it's, it's not in you to bring that out. There's, there's not a necessity or a need to go that deep to bring something out for you to, hmm. you know, figuratively eat. Well, so what I, think, the, I think in that phase, it affects your art. Well, what about the second wind? What about, uh, let's take Miles Davis, when in the mid-50s and he had, he had his classic, his first classic quintet with uh, John Coltrane, Ray Garland on yeah. piano. Mm. Miles was 33 for Kinda Blue. He was 39 for ESP. 
Mm-hmm. He was 43 for In a Silent Way. He was 46 for On the Corner. He was he was 60 for Tutu. Mm. You know, and, and sure, the producer of Tutu, co-produced by Marcus Miller right. and Tommy LaPuma. Marcus Miller was 28, but Tommy LaPuma, who co-produced the whole thing, was 50. So right. it's, so yeah. Miles, Miles being the old man with life experience, had the maturity to surround himself with younger people who basked at the opportunity to work with him. But Miles was also at it's the not, point where he didn't just, have to worry about feeding but his family. That's true, but, but it's not just that. Form. But I'm going to John's point. John, look at what Marcus Miller was doing back then and what he's been able to do like in the last five years. Hmm. Marcus Miller, you talk about somebody, we, we barely bring him up in the show and we're talking about genius. That, Marcus Miller hmm. is a genius. And you look at what he was able to create back in those days, mm-hmm. all the way through the Luther Vandross days, right. you know, to hmm. what he's being able to create now. As he, the creativity is not the same. And I don't know if it has to do with energy I don't know if it has to do with hunger. I don't know if it has to do with, you know, life status. You know, but there's something there that's connected to, and we don't have to go to the Miles level because Miles is a whole other entity within himself. Justin Jahan's statement, let's deal with somebody like Marcus Miller. Mm-hmm. He is not coming out with the same type of art. Marcus has to be maybe 55 now, something like that. It's not the same. It's not, he's not, he's not able to create or produce the same type of stuff now that he was back with Miles. Is it but age? Radiohead are. Right. And, Radiohead and that's another, are, right? Okay. Good point. That's another second I mean, win like argument. Ra- you know, Radiohead, they, I don't know if they're an honorable exception, but they're making the bravest music of their career right now. Well into their 40s. Okay. Well, you know, his, his they, thing. it was like early 30s for Kid A. But they're still pushing the envelope like over 10 years later for King of Limbs and their steps are so brave. It's not just about the quality of the music, but it's the bravery of their decisions. Their steps are so brave that they've abandoned the music that put them on the map in favor of an experimental sound that's largely in the opposite direction to what their initial fan base loved about them. Yeah, they lost some of their fan base where Tom York changed how he wrote songs to come out of a to come out of a writer's block where he began to, to, to structure his lyrics more modularly. Yeah, well I think OK OK Computer is the one that seems to always get on a Rolling Stone best albums list and then Kid A came and, and I think people were they were tripped out by it. People were completely, completely blown away by it. I wasn't into them back then, so I get all this second hand but you, you are, you've only to look at like Amazon reviews and you can see people are in two camps. No one is more focused upon in this regard in the context of this conversation than pop music, popular musicians, meaning I'm talking about popular musicians, whether they're rap, you know, R&B, rock, whatever. If you look at, say, movie directors or actors, they can come out with a whack movie in January. No one is calling at the end of their career. You know what I'm saying? Which is a way to see what they do next time, whether that be two months from now or six months from now or a year from now. Musicians are so, and like I say, popular musicians are so, the spotlight is on them so heavily that the minute they put out whack product, you know, especially if it's at a certain age in their late 30s or early 40s or if they've been around for 10 years. R. R Kelly told me once, I think that he said that the usual time span is 10 years. Yeah. You know, it's usually artists get 10 years to be at their peak, their peak and to be the center of attention. And that's true, I think. But if you look at any other genre, it's not that way. Writers produce great works well into their, you know, into their 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. Like uh, John just said, uh, Miles as a jazz musician, you know, saying, well, you know, able to produce these great works. I don't know what it is about popular singers and popular rappers where the scrutiny on them 
is so much higher and so much the um, degree of, you know, the, the room that they have basically to mess up is a lot smaller than it is for these other artists. I don't know why. I don't know why either, but I also think there's something, that's a good question, I don't know why, but I also think there's something that we need to just recognize the fact that at some point when you're younger, when you're doing this, that the volume of work that you produce is so much greater. And a lot of times I think you, they, younger individuals exhaust their creativity. I mean, when you're young, you're expected to, especially in music, you know, you're expected to put out some product every one, every two years, you know, you stay consistent like that. Mm -hmm. But when you get in your 50s and 60s, there's no demand for you to put out product. Every, you know, the so that makes me think it may, it may have something to do with capturing the zeitgeist of that particular era and that particular age group of people it's who are listening right. it's, to It's your almost music. conditioned. But at the same time, you fall into that too. I mean, as an artist, as a, as, and I hate to keep bringing him up, but we always bring him up on the show. Prince is not forced to like, look, I got to do something. Well, he doesn't by, have to do by anything. By Jahan and Arthur, he is. Right, but but, but it, to him, to him, you know what I'm saying? He's like, look, I'm a, back 20 years ago, he, he would, if he could, mm -hmm. he put out something every two months. Mm -hmm. he doesn't, but at 50 or whatever he is now, he's like, I'm not trying to do that anymore. So if we're looking at how age affects art, you look at the, look at the, the arc of when a lot of an artist's creativity is produced. Mm -hmm. It's, it's produced during a period, right? It's produced during that period of time, maybe between 19 and 35 or whatever. But then after that, I don't know if age affects the creativity as much as the fact that the wealth of what they produced, the volume is so great during that period of time that they're exhausted. Well, I think, it, you know, as I think about it, I think it definitely is linked to, you know, you look at the age of these artists and the age of their target group. And it's very, there's not, you know, there's not a lot of difference there. You know, you're in your 20s producing music. Your main focus, your main target audience is in their teens and in their 20s. Mm -hmm. As you get in your 30s and 40s, for popular musicians, I'm saying, not for not for jazz musicians right. or for writers or right. directors, but as you get into your uh, 30s and 40s, you're not aiming your music. Justin Timberlake is not aiming his latest album at late 30 year olds or, right. you know, in their late 30s. He's still aiming it at the, you know, the 16 year old. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it does have a link. But to get back to kind of like the core of this question, to me, what age does not matter when it comes to art, if you are true to the muse. If you look at what Miles did, he brought in those young producers like Jahan just uh, rattled them off. It wasn't necessarily all just just alone so they could shine. He fed off of them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He was inspired by them to go down different avenues and to explore different types of sounds. Miles was always true to his muse. I don't think Prince is true to his muse. We've already covered that. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's true to the muse anymore. But I think Miles always stayed true to that mm. muse, and that's what kept him relevant. I think Radiohead, and Radiohead are too. I think Radiohead right. is true to the muse, and it's like we know that's we're going to lose, you know, a certain segment of our audience. We know it's going to happen, mm. you know. But as artists, we have to keep ourselves engaged, and we have to keep exploring different avenues. We can't just keep doing the same thing we did In ten fact, or fifteen years ago. In fact, Tom York, uh, I, I I believe, had to persuade the other members of Radiohead when he flipped to Kid A to say, look, this is, this is the future. This is the way that we're going to go. And uh, from, from what I understand, they, you know, they weren't, or some members in particular were not happy with the direction. But, um, but he got them there and now they acquiesced that, yeah, it was the right move. But the interesting thing is, Miles, you know, Miles is a great example because he's such a landmark genius and a landmark artist. But 
he he wasn't playing arenas at that time. Radiohead are. They're playing arenas. They're playing stadiums. Still, right now. How about as another example of that, Daft Punk, who's changed their sound to go uh, not completely away from, but to use more acoustic instruments in their sound. Both of them are, are pushing 40, pushing 40 hard. And they're not only retaining their original audience, but they're also gaining uh, a cabillion more based off of a marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. I would venture to say that more people have heard Daft Punk but did not know that they were listening to Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. And going into random access mem- memories are thinking that that they're going to be introduced to a group that they're not previously familiar with. To paraphrase uh, Tiger Woods, uh, brilliant marketing fixes everything. So like you said, I haven't seen, I don't know their marketing campaign, but I would venture to guess that however they're being marketed obviously is working. Um, so it must be a pretty, you know, a pretty potent marketing campaign. Um, but I think... Actually... You, go ahead, Joe. Actually, I mean, we just spent 20 minutes talking about Jay-Z. How old is his ass? Yeah, 52, I think. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's 42, but still. He, well, that's that's his stage age. That's that's what that's his stage age. Yeah, that's why I said 52. Right. You know, but you know, there's there's examples. There's many examples of artists who have you know stayed true to that muse and you know well into their you know whatever 40s or 50s or whatever have created compelling work. Now, whether or not it was successful in the marketplace is another question. If you look at uh, Marvin's Vulnerable album. Um, Vulnerable was an album that he started working on in the late 60s and early 70s or actually the early 60s and mid 60s when he first signed to Motown he wanted to do this album of standards if you if you ever get a chance to listen to like those first takes I'm not gonna say they are horrible but they were very stilted you know very you know they just didn't sound good and he kept working on this album throughout his career and finally, um, I, I think it was re- I think it was released uh, posthumously. But uh, David Ritz goes into great detail about those tapes and him, you know, how Marvin recorded this and kept recording it, and how they finally settled on like six or seven songs and how they called it vulnerable, whatever. But the the point is that Marv- Marvin knew he hadn't gained the emotional um, gravity and gone through what he needed to go through at until you know he was well into his late thirties and up up until his death. You know, he had finally gone through the emotional pain, you know, basically they had to go through to convey these songs a certain way. But my point is that he stayed true to his muse. Releasing that album or even recording that album was like, what for? You know, this is not going to work in the marketplace. But he wanted to perfect those standards. And he did. I think Vulnerable to me is one of the prime examples of a brilliant master at his craft. Um, If you listen to that album vocally, it's genius. Do you think that um, it's actually really interesting that you mentioned that album with that title? Do you think vulnerability comes down to it? And do you think that when you're younger, you wear your heart on your sleeve a lot more? 
you you yep. have less baggage. Yes. You have you know you you're less concerned with what the world thinks. You have to yes. scoop's point. About you, you have less you have less to lose at that that age. When you get into your 30s and 40s, you've made a lot well, of money. Scoop, no, but wait, but Scoop's point was financially. Yeah, that's all I was about to say. You've made money. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you have but lots no, but of I'm asking something different. I'm asking in terms of the way, for example, Odd Future are so open with what they believe, or Prince, you know, on If I Was Your Girlfriend when he was like, what, 29 or whatever, mm-hmm. when he recorded that, was so open and, you know, naked and, and honest about it. And, and Marvin, I mean, do you think in staying true to your muse, there's an honesty that you need in order to do that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, but to my point, don't think that money doesn't affect that. Even if you try to push, it's going to affect it, mm-hmm. regardless of whether you want to or not. I don't know if you think about this, Isaac, as a writer. You have to work harder at being creative as you get older. That's, that's, Absolutely. That, that's basically what I'm getting at. As a writer, I know it's much more difficult for me now to create something that I feel is going to be special than it was 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think you, are, you, you take that sensibility and apply it across the board to anybody that's creating any art. Mm-hmm. It just becomes but, more difficult, I think. You're, but Scoop... Why, why though? Why I don't know. I think I know why. I think I know why. Here's one of the other reasons, and I think this may answer your question, John, as far as just keep just keeping it in the writing for, the, for just a minute and using this as an example. When you write every day for a living. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You finally get to a point where it's like, you know what works. You know, if I put this on paper, they're going to like this. How do you push yourself past that to keep yourself you know, relevant to keep mm-hmm. yourself exploring, to keep yourself experimental, to keep yourself interesting to yourself. Because at some point, you know, somebody's going to look at this and be like, that sounds like something else he wrote. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, I never repeat, want right, that to happen. Right, never want to repeat the I same want thing. to yes, make sure exactly. that cats always look at me and be like, I know it's going to be dope, but I don't know what he might come with. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what's my call it? Uh, I was reading an article about uh, John Le Carey who wrote uh, uh, Tinker Tailor, Soldier, Spy, a Spy Who Came In From The Call, all those, all those type of spy books. He said that he has a pact with his family. He's well into his 70s, I think. He told his family, look, let me know if something I wrote is whack. I'm Mm. paraphrasing, obviously. But he said, let me know if it's whack because, (laughs) (laughs) right, he didn't actually say whack. But (laughs) let me know if something I wrote is whack. He said, because basically at this point, I could write the phone book and get paid for it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So when you reach a certain level, you know I can come out with whatever and I'm going to get paid. So how do you keep pushing yourself? But it becomes, you know, it becomes more difficult to make that happen. That's what it is. You have to be more conscious of it. Yeah, you have, but you have to constantly think about it and you don't want to repeat yourself. And even if you do say, you know what, I'm going to do something totally different creatively than I've ever done before. It's harder for that to come out at 45 than it Mm -hmm. was at 25. Mm -hmm. It's just more difficult. John, the answer is God, basically. (laughs) You know, seriously, I had a conversation with Tom Joyner about this, and I'll apply it to this, and I'll use the word hits. Just just take the word hits in this and spread it and replace it with creativity. Tom Joyner said he had a conversation with Stevie Wonder once, and Stevie... In the conversation, they came to agreement that God only gives you so many hits. Mm -hmm. God's only going to give you so many hits. You may get 50, you may get 20, you may get 10, but God's only going to give you so many hits. Mm -hmm. So I've applied for this conversation, applied it to creativity. There's only so much God is going to place on one individual, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to come out of your body and out of your soul from the creative. And as one who tries to create, it's a hell of a... I think I'm still the same. You think you're still the same, but to get it out, you know, 
is well, a lot more difficult well, than it was I'm because you I put think so it much comes work down in. to more than that. Okay. I think it comes down to more than that in the way that the average teenager, they, they're searching for something, right? They're searching for their place in the world. They're searching for their own voice. And, you know, that may, that may carry forward into their 20s or their early 20s or whatever. But I think as you, the average person, as you grow older, you become more comfortable with your place in the world. You're no longer searching. You're looking mm. to, in fact, cement Right, but, you but, John, your but, mind but, but, works but, differently, though. But that doesn't explain, that doesn't explain Hemingway. That mm-hmm. doesn't explain Shakespeare. That doesn't explain Beethoven. That doesn't explain Miles. That doesn't explain Radiohead. Well, I think part of, I think part of that, John, and I, I, I'm glad you said that because I agree, is that that comfortability, and this is what I was trying to get at, maybe I didn't articulate it well enough, I think you have to make yourself uncomfortable. You know, you have to find, you have to constantly push yourself to discover new things. And I think that's why Miles did what he did. That's why he experimented with so many different sounds. He never wanted to settle into one place. Mm-hmm. And I think that as you grow older- so you have to actively search. You have to keep Oh, absolutely. And, and as you grow older, to Scoop's point, when you're younger, I think that it's more natural because you're moving through life. As you get older, especially if you get, you get family, you mm-hmm. get kids, you become naturally more settled. So, as the artist, though, you and it's, it's, I'm, I imagine it's definitely probably rough on the people around you, but as the artist, you have to constantly be in motion, whether it's physical motion, mental, metaphorical, whatever it is, you have to constantly be moving to discover new things and push yourself into new places. So maybe the answer is when you're young, you search because you're confused. <laughs> right. You don't have a reason to search mm-hmm. when you're older. You mm-hmm. have to actively decide to carry on searching. Doesn't I, your mind operate different when you're young, as you're younger? Yeah, but that could be part of the confusion. I, I kind of agree with that because I think that as you get older, you have to work harder to stay true to that muse, especially if you get, I think we can't detract, you know, subtract success and money out of this equation. If you're moneyed up, you know, that makes you a lot more comfortable. If you're hungry and you, when people always mention writer's block, I don't believe in writer's block because all I got to do is introduce you to no food and no, no housing. And you're going to figure out how to create some words to get yourself paid. That's why I don't, that's what I I don't agree. I don't, I've never believed in writer's block. So you can, you know, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think that it, it is when you're younger, it's more natural. But when you get older, I think you have to, especially if you get successful, you have to push yourself. In but at the places. same time, don't you think there's something connected to the volume of work that you did in the past that you're not trying to replicate? That there's only so much in oh, you? Oh, yeah, yeah. You look, yeah, you look, I, but I don't agree. I don't know if I agree that there's only so much in you because I've seen, yeah, I I've seen so. too many examples where okay. cats go, went to the grave creating. You know what I'm saying? Picasso, I, I believe, went to the grave mm-hmm. creating mm-hmm. interesting things. Mm-hmm. So I think that in pop music and in the context of this show when we're talking about music i think what i think as an artist you know what you believe may be interesting may not transcend into great sales you know but oh greatness this is you know, not great sales just greatness yeah in retrospect we'll look back and be like man what so-and-so did was brilliant and that was at a point late in their career sometimes artists look back on their careers and then create great works david bowie's last album David was good. I meant to ask you about that. that David Bowie's last album is predicated on him looking back on everything that he's done and him in, in facing his legacy. The idea of looking back and then break, that's a, that's a creative thing oh. to do. You know what okay, I'm saying? Listen, it's like, that's an interesting thing. Can, can I make a comment this, on what this is? This goes to what I'm saying. When's the last time David Bowie and like Bobby Womack put something out? Years, years ago. But that's my point. You're not putting it out in the same volume as you were before. So you can produce greatness now when you're 70, when you're doing it once every 20 years, as opposed to when you're in your 30s and you're doing it every two years. That's we my point. We can take this to full circle, actually, and revisit the first topic. Bowie, several years ago, issued Bowie Bonds, 
so he securitized his back catalog mm-hmm. and sold the royalties for a massive advance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess he was a business too, or he was mm-hmm. in an industry too at that point, literally an industry. Yeah, him and him and like cats like the Stones. I mean, they are you know the Rolling Stones are a business now. Hey, I don't think anybody cares what the Rolling Stones puts another album. Yeah, they they don't have to, but. I mean, at this point, still it's like this may be when the they, last time we ever see them alive. Right, but when they perform, it's it's you know they're artists. You know, what I'm saying they never try. They they aren't business people in the sense that like a Jay is a business person. They've stayed true to their muse on stage. I don't you know I don't even know when the last time they released an album. And that's that goes to my point. They don't have to. Yeah, they you don't get have older, to. you don't have to. But, but that, that's, that's why that's I love. That's, right. that's what I love. Cats like Miles who kept doing it. You know, what I'm saying yeah. it's like. If I had to choose what type of artist I'm be, I'm gonna be that cat who keeps doing it until I, I'm in the grave because I, I don't want to just tour. Arthur, you have to know this. Aren't there people clamoring for a Led Zeppelin reunion? Oh, I'm one of them. Oh yeah, right. I'm one of them. Me and Scoop gonna go. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I ain't even asked him. I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, round table. Today's round table is the sixth man. Um, you sound like you're on a six o'clock news right there. <laughs> Today's roundtable. Be sixty six degrees with cloud, <laughs> cloudy. <laughs> don't do it again, nah. Don't do it again. That was cool. We're gonna keep that. that. Was cool. <laughs> Who is the MC that could not make your top five MC list? Right. And, and just why? edged out, right? And just edged out. And we should clarify that you know, just in case there's ever a question, we're never going to do a top five MC, top ten MC. We never gonna do that on that show. On this we're gonna, show, we're not gonna do a top five anything on this show. Yeah, like, no. yeah. producer. We may singer. think of a top five. It'd be some obscure or something. Well, I, I mean, the, we I gotta think... do a top five artists that Jahan likes because that's a hard <laughs> list to find. It's just five artists that the brother likes. No, here. top five artists that Jahan likes that everybody else has heard of. Oh, there you go. Okay, I, I got, got his top five. I okay. got his top ten. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that though, but yeah, no, no, no mainstream top fives. Those, those no, not going to happen. Can't. And I think the six man is more interesting. It's like, yeah. well, why, why, why couldn't he or she make that cut? Right, without knowing who the other ones are that made the cut. Right, it's deep. Yeah, right. I'm with that. So okay. this, this is the cat that would be on our. T- we want to put him in the top five, but we can't for whatever reason. Okay, I who like wants that. to go first. Jay hasn't started out in a long time. He just started the last second. Go. He hasn't started round table. Yeah, he, he hasn't started round table in a long time. Okay, well, my sixth man would be. MF Doom. That's a good one. He's he's dope as hell. He's even sicker than some of the cats in my top five with punchlines and concepts and metaphors. And his rewind factor, which every MC should have, is very, Mm -hmm. very high. I like that. The rewind factor. Mm -hmm. He's got like a 9.6 rewind factor. I love that. The rewind factor. You know, he even produces two. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I even used to buy his Special Herbs discs. So the problem is, is what, what keeps him out? What is the dimension or what is the quality that I think he's missing that if he had would catapult him into the top five? And to me, it's that honesty or emotional vulnerability that I see at times with some of my, some of my favorites or, or, or some of the guys in the um, top five. And I, I know this is hip hop. And vulnerability doesn't necessarily have a traditional place in hip hop. But, you know, does he have a it was a good day or, or a colorblind? Does he have a charmed life or the yeah. day I fell off? Speaking of J-Live, 
Not yet. I think Let Me Watch on the Victor Vaughn CD. That was the closest thing he got to it. But that was still very, very comedic and it was still in his style. And I guess, you know, it's I'm always looking for diversity and range and experimentation and how you can stretch. And to me, he is fantastic in his lane. Maybe number one in his particular lane. But the multi-dimensional qualities that I need just for my particular taste, I think he, he just misses out. So everybody else in your top five who we don't want to hear, but we just, out, you know, <laughs> off top of your dome, everybody else in your top five has that multi-dimensional quality. They, they either have the multi-dimensional quality. I think three of them do. I think two of them are just so good at what they do and qualities that, that I value more. Like, for example, storytelling mm. that, that I'll excuse it. Let me ask you a question. Do you think... Do you think he'd make your top five if Sub Rock had not died? If his brother had not died when they were in KMD? Or do you think, or, or, Why or, y'all keep coming back to death on this show? <laughs> we ain't killing him. I, brother died. That's, that's an emotional trigger you can talk about, right? That's, that's something that gives you a kind of, I mean, you know, unfortunately for him, poor, poor fellow, he's got like a wealth of material to draw from. He's just stayed in his traditional bare bones, mm-hmm. I can rap the hell out of anybody mm-hmm. else kind of MC style, which he does and he does it beautifully and he is funny as hell. I would really, really love to see an album, MF Doom and Redman, for example. Mm. I think they would, you know, if they had the know? right producers behind them, they, they, they just do I think they'd destroy the studio. Yeah, they would. Yeah, real. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. But that's mine. I like that. That's a good one. That's no, a good one. good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Scoop Jackson, you want to go next? Okay, I wrestled with this and I still... It's one of those things where I had a six and six A. I couldn't split between the two because if I did, you do that every time. I know, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> every I'm, time you I'm, got a six A, six B, pick my pick. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. You saw. I used to get that all the time on first take. I, I'm, I kind of get indecisive, but I'm decisive, but I'm indecisive. But see, you can't even decide what you're indecisive, indecisive or not. Or not right. I'm indecisive, but I'm <laughs> but, decisive. But but here's but when I say it, it's gonna make sense to you. Okay, all right. Scarface and Ice Cube. Oh, both see of them. now you now you see where I'm at. Yeah, I mean now I see where you're at, but I'm like, no, I don't. Both of them, I don't right? See. But try to try to. I'm trying to decide how the hell Ice Cube doesn't get in your top five. <laughs> you know that's your man's boy. Right, I, got that. I, know, I, know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I already know I that's know. number one on his list. I know, I know. <laughs> but hold up, dude. You got you got to choose one of them. You got to choose one. It's I would. Tough. I would. It's if tough. you said choose Scarface, Ice Cube, please choose Ice Cube because I want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> Go, you know what? Do them one by one. Okay, why not Cube? Or no, do do Cube last. No, but no, on, only 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 from a Cube standpoint, only because the cats in my five or the five cats is because I think lyrically they're more diverse than he is. That's it. Then Cube. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Mm. That's the only reason. Just lyrically, not subject matter. I just think lyrically, my five are just have to be more diverse. And the music that they put out, I just you know diverse in subject matter or diverse in diverse in style, diverse in subject matter. You know, and and they don't have. Maybe I'm holding against Cube that little stretch we went through. He got really after the Rodney King and the LA riots. But everything he did was basically LA, and he didn't become. He wasn't. He was no longer a universal MC. He was a, you know, LA MC. Right. Like if he didn't do the Predator too. With, uh, with yeah, Russia. yeah. You know, I mean, there's some things I hold against Cube. It's like he he was the voice of the West Coast more than more than Tupac was during his era. Right, I, I'm not arguing with that. But the cats I have at five were more; their voices were more universal, and they didn't have that stretch where it was strictly about okay. New York okay. or Chicago or down south. You know, it was just boom. And once again, I think lyrically, they just have to be more diverse. 
That's, was, is Cube a multi to use John's term? Is he multi-dimensional? I think so. Mm-hmm. But not as much as the other cast that I'm in your top five. In my top five. That's all. Mm. Tough competition. Yeah, tough competition. And Face just because he's Face. I think Face is one of the most underrated MCs in the history of the game. He is. Like you said about he stays in his lane, but he does his lane so well. And when he drops gems, his gems are unbelievable. I mean, he's just an unbelievable MC and it's hard for me. I wrestle with the fact that he's not in my top five. But here's the deal. My answer is impossible for me to decide because I wrestle with both of them. I argue with myself like John, like, how can I have a five, a top five NC list with either one of them and not in it? Now, I understand there's a 10, but those two sitting at five and five A or six and six A, I can't split between the two because it's it's hard for me to separate who's you know, in my mind, more really, I probably at the end of the mm-hmm. day, to Jahan's credit, if I had to make a decision, like if y'all put a gun to my head, like motherfucker, make a choice, <laughs> I'd probably go Which with Q. Which we're very close mm-hmm. to doing. I, I probably go with Q <laughs> because of his impact globally. But mm-hmm. the impact that Face has had as a lyricist mm-hmm. and an MC in the entire South Southern movement mm-hmm. is, is just to me as great as Cube's was in being the West Coast. But right. you get people now, man, who will mention the South and and they will completely leave. They'll mention the history of the South. They'll mm-hmm. leave uh, Scarface, Scarface and Ghetto Boys out of the conversation. Only because mm-hmm. of Andre, Big Boy, and Outkast mm-hmm. become so big. Atlanta, Outshine, and Houston. Right. Which right. is not, I, I, don't, I think if you take Outkast out the picture, everything will go back to focus on the impact that Ghetto Boys and Scarface had. Mm-hmm. But I do think that Outkast became so big and that Atlanta sound became so big that it kind of clips where the origins of all this came from. Let's take it out of a global context. Which of those MCs to you has had a greater impact on hip hop itself in a vacuum? This becomes a what if. (laughs) Seriously. Because then you start getting into the schematics of things. The one thing I respect about Face is that he really never left, like you said, his muse. Mm Mm-hmm. Ice Cube left his whole sound with Dre and came and had the bomb squad save him for a certain degree. So if you talk about impact, Face's impact has been straight, direct, this is who I am. Cube's been more of a chameleon. Right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. when you're more of a chameleon, your impact kind of spreads, but a direct impact on hip-hop and the culture... I think maybe Face. I don't know, man. When America's Most Wanted dropped... But that, but that mm. was but like the, the I know, bomb heard around I know, the world. I know, I know. It can't be. It can't be understated that the transformation that Ice Cube took was impactful in L.A. Mm. Yes, hugely impactful. Yes, in L.A. It did not get brothers from killing each other. It didn't stop that so much as if there was a point of reflection that it's like it's like my parents knowing where they were when John F. Kennedy got shot. Mm. I know exactly where I was <laughs> when <laughs> I first saw, saw that Cube had cut his Jerry curl. Mm-hmm. Right, I tell you right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I mean, was, I don't know, man, because it's like if you okay, let's look at look at the impact America's Most Wanted, and then mm-hmm. to follow that up with Death Certificate after it was a one-two cutting punch. Off, cutting okay. off, but look at the look you. at the one-two punch. Look at the differences in the punches. Okay, but, you know what I'm saying? But to your point, just, each one was but, just but, as impactful. But, but to your point, <laughs> mm-hmm. look at the impact that Scarface has had on an entire region. Mm-hmm. A region on rappers everywhere though. He that's said, that's yeah. my that's my see, point. That's, that's, that's okay. what hurts. That's, that's what, what that's why six man becomes interesting because if you look at your top five, there's the thing with Scarface is that you realize who he influenced. Somebody he influenced is probably in, in your top, top five. five. Yes, he yeah. is so exactly like, directly. Like, so like, how can how can Face not be in there? That, so it's like that's, that's what, my but, that's but, what twists Okay, here's my thing. Side. But how do you choose Face over Cube? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's so that's no, why, that's why I get indecisive. That's a tough one. I, so that's you up at night thinking about that. So okay. So now <laughs> can I be like indecisive on something? Now you can you be indecisive yes, on yes. that. I'm just saying next round table, I don't want to yes. hear I got a 1A and a 2B, <laughs> 3Z answer. It's like, dude, make a choice. It's, just, I mean, it's tough, man. I wrestle with this. I'll let Isaac close. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, just for no other reason, then I'll just let you close. Okay. Can right. I say one I thing? I have a feeling yours is going to be huge. Wait, wait, can I, <laughs> Not necessarily, but okay. Can I cut in one thing for the edit? Jahan, am I okay with you? <laughs> oh, yeah, we always you okay. weren't you weren't okay to begin I, with. So you straight. I'm, I'm wanna, <laughs> still I'm in the same wanna, spot. Am I in the same we're, spot? We're, Do I get a little leeway, a little no, something? No, no, you're good. You're, you're, you're good. After I cut off Arthur after his parade, <laughs> I, I need all I need all the crew I can get. Right, I'm running you, low at the right, moment. You're running low. Okay. <laughs> okay. My sixth man is Q-Tip. Mm. Oh. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. I want to hear this. Reason one is he's got an Achilles heel, which is that he's such a great DJ and producer. Mm-hmm. Mm. That his that his beats his music, I mean it's just custom made to his style, mm-hmm. his style of being able to flow through along with the beat and and ride it in such a way that his rhymes are an instrument, along with the instrumentation of the music, mm-hmm. and if you take him out of that, it's like if he doesn't do his own beats now now. Dylan notwithstanding, that was still a, a, a an integration into into his production style. Mm-hmm. And Dilla fits that tribe aesthetic, mm-hmm. particularly in the, in the mid-90s. But if you take Q-Tip out of that, then he's got trouble. So one word for that is amplified. Mm. The Amplified album. <laughs> <laughs> the amplified, the amplified album all by all by itself keeps him out of the keeps him out of the top. <laughs> okay. The video might put him back in. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> the Kamal the abstract puts him puts him back in it, but you know Andre did that album much better. Mm. Wait, 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 wait. I don't understand. Jay, he's saying that he's saying that that Amplified album takes him out of the top five by itself. Well, you're saying his lyricism on it takes him out, or the album itself takes. What are you? Okay, it's don't kind of two for two here, off. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hold on. It's kind of like I love it when said. they have. Don't, don't I mean, you love it when they got beat? I love it. probation. No, it's kind of like what you were saying about 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 MF Doom, where it's like he stays in his lane so well that it's difficult for him to. But you're talking about. Let me. But, but wait, I just want to be really clear here. You want to be clear. You're talking about his lyrics. You're not talking about the Dilla beats. No, I'm not talking See, now about the first Dilla Ice beats. Cube got hated on out. I'm good. Hold on. I'm <laughs> good. You messing up Jahan's whole. No, day. I'm good. No, I'm safe now. I'm not, I'm <laughs> no, safe. I'm not. I'm not talking about the Dilla beats. I think that if I think All that right, if, we're good. I think yeah. that if there was a and I wish there was, but I think that if there was a Jay Dilla Q-tip project where Jay Dilla produced a q-tip album mm-hmm. that that would be that would be on the low-end theory midnight no, it, 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 that's it, amplified huh that's amplified it's the love movement <sighs> no 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 that's amplified dilla did everything on amplified almost everything mm. i think we're back on the uh i think he's back on your list now john back on your list now sorry I might uh, this be. Is not you can't acceptable. shit on the you can't I shit on the dilla project in, this, in front this is of not john. acceptable <laughs> i might be 
I mean, what, think okay, about let's, it, man. Let's look at, let's look at Amplified real quick. Think what didn't it. you like about Amplified? Too commercial? It was too commercial for him. Mm-hmm. It made him a household name for, for a second. For the wrong Every, reasons, Everybody can't go solo. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, uh, for me, the Amplified album, he, 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 he walked away a little bit from his core competencies. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Q-Tips rhymes, I mean, they're instructive. They're inspiring. He went to pop music. They're, yeah, he went he pop. Did. He went pop. He, he, he went pop on that album. And, and, um, and Jay, you like that album. That is not a pop album. That's a Detroit <laughs> hip hop album. You don't know. Uh, this is, Everything that's is pop just, that Jay likes is not pop. <laughs> that's not a pop album. Boy, you're, you're saying you're saying because fly ass females are in the video for vibrant no, thing that makes it pop. I'm not even getting I mean, into the video. On. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a video guy. Yeah, I brought up the video. Yeah, Isaac brought up the video. I'm not a video God bless guy. It. I mean, it's about it's about okay. <laughs> it's about what it's about what keeps him out of of the top five, right? And I mean, you know, I'm, half jokingly, I said that it was that it was the amplified album by itself. But there's it another part to it as well. I mean, somebody that's in my top five. Oh, because we're not supposed to say it. But no, you, somebody, no, you can, can say who's in say I mentioned a couple. You can let's say, say it. Okay, so let's say most deaf Yasin Bey, right? Right. Yasin, top five. No, <laughs> Yasin is about to put out an album with Manny Fresh. Right. Q-Tip could not put out an album with Manny Fresh. You know what I'm saying? Q-Tip does not have that dexterity to be able to ride Manny okay, Fresh. Okay, so beats. it is. So just to be very clear, it is his rhymes. It's yes. not the beats. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 All right. We're as good. long as to be right. clear, it's not. It's. It, it's not a singular line. Say what you want to say, Jay. It's not Jay Dilla. You don't want to say it's not the beats. <laughs> it's his rhymes. Right. It's not Jay Dilla. Just wanted to make sure, right? The minute Arthur mentioned Jay Dilla's yeah, name, shit went sideways. You did. <laughs> it's like a bad. It was like a CIA op that went wrong. Yeah. Like, right. 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 As soon as that dropped, it was like bam. It's like messed up. He heard nothing else. Right. Let me ask you this though, Arthur. Taking it away from the the albums. It was rhyming right next to Fife did that impact Q-Tip at all? Did it overshadow him at all? Because he had to rhyme right next to this cat for all those years. No. So if he never was, if he was just solo all those years, never was, was if what you call didn't even exist, that wouldn't have impacted at all. I don't think so. I mean, there weren't there. You had two types of Tribe Called Quest songs. You had Tribe Called Quest songs where it was like a Run DMC kind of delivery mm-hmm. where they fed off each other, mm-hmm. and then you had Tribe Called Quest songs where like almost like you know. Um, uh, the end of the years of the Beatles, where it was this was Q-Tip song, Fife was on it. This was Fife song, Q-Tip was on it. It weren't that mm-hmm. many Fife songs like that. But no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think they had better interplay on stage than they did on record. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But that wasn't. No, I mean, I just took Q-Tip as you know, as you know, as Q-Tip. Well, it's interesting to me though. Now that you mentioned most deaf is in your top five, that makes it more interesting to me that Q-Tip's not in your top five. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, that does to me too. Q-Tip was. Q-Tip is a, is a uh, an inspire an inspiring agent for most deaf, and to say that the student is greater than you know than the teacher, mm-hmm. well, that so happens you, from time to so time. So you're my, you're actually saying that to you, most deaf is a better MC than Q-Tip. It, it's, yeah, you that's know what, what you just said. It's, 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 I'm just I'm just I'm like I'm like with I'm not, little, I don't want to have another to you to use my Jahan words. Let's be clear. <laughs> Let's Jahan, be clear. Jahan Obama. Right, right. Yeah, let's look, let, let's, be, had, clear. let's be clear. You're saying, I'm just asking. Right. You had a Scarface Ice Cube moment. Right. <laughs> I had a most deaf Q-tip moment. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going like, to have can, how can Q-tip? How can Q-tip be, not be in the top five of most deaf is? Mm. You'll have to answer for that one day. It's, it's, <laughs> it's what most deaf can do over Mad Lib. It's what most deaf can do over Kanye. It's what most deaf can do over Manny Fresh. Dexterity. 
Mm. It's what it most deaf can do over uh, over um, um, high tech. Mm. It's that kind of dexterity that, that Q-tip just doesn't have. But mm. well, or at least that hasn't. Can we not argue? Can we not argue that Q-tip has more dexterity and or diversity than most other MCs in Kamal the Abstract? Yes. Or the Renaissance. Yes. 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 Yeah. But I, so, I do think, I mean, I do think that Andre 3000 did a better album than, than Q-Tip did. Wait, stop, stop, stop. You know what I'm saying? What, what You're talking about The Love Below was right, better the love than... Right, The Love Below. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Where, where, the, where was all over here? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, what is this? Andre I think it was more conceptual. <laughs> I, I definitely think it was more conceptual. I... I don't think it was better. You know, one thing that's really interesting is to me, I've taken this question differently than you guys have. I've stripped out the MC from the music, the culture, the concept, etc. I've just gone for skills and, and what I perceive to be the different dimensions or, or skill sets that an MC or a lyricist should have. You guys, all of, well, both of you guys so far, Isaac, you're amazed to be seen. So both of you guys have actually looked at them in a greater sphere, how they interact with their beats. You know how they rhyme, how they fit with certain beats, etc. I don't, I, have, I didn't look at that. Well, it depends on what's your definition and who you put in your top. The, th- the question yeah. is, your top five. So, what all, what, what are the criteria for MCs I, to I be in your top? I just went with skill set. Okay. I just went with spit, flow, composition, skill set. But look, there's no right or wrong here. It's just interesting observation. Mm. Yeah, I hope I don't get any hate mail over this. I I, I seem to have a way of. Yeah, I'm writing something right now. John, John has so Arthur, many. He don't like Q-tip. Right, John got so many aliases. All the hate mail comes from John. It's just aliases. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then he sends it to us. Like, look at what this guy said. Like, that was that was you, family. <laughs> All right, it's, uh, it's IP's turn. Okay, so mine mine is slightly different, only in the sense that he's not in my top five because of something he did or didn't do it's because of what happened to him and my top my six man is doc y'all ready for this <laughs> i thought about choosing that one as well yep. that's why i wanted him to go last my not top, because i do i just had a feeling yep. Right. Yep. mine is yep. the doc and had had he not had that yep. car accident which to me has always been it's almost like in uh the iliad i think it was when uh, achilles got hit in the, hit in the ankle with the, the arrow all the things for this cat to get injured. You know what I'm saying? If you hear about a car accident, what's, you know, if somebody lives, you can name a million things you might think of what might have happened to that person. Having their vocal, you know, their larynx crushed or whatever, not the ability not to really speak is not something you hear too often. So for this cat, whose voice to me is one of, if not definitely in my top five, greatest voices of all time, greatest vocalists of all time in hip hop. Um, for him to lose his voice was just I, I remember you talk about you remember where you were when I was I in junior too. high or wherever when I heard that I was crushed because like, I was I just was, like no that, and I was like okay and I remember they were like he's going to have surgery and I'm like no he's going to be okay he's going to have yeah. surgery he's going to be okay he's going to be okay yeah. and as the years went by I was just like oh how can this happen if you look at his catalog of work which is basically one album outside of stuff he wrote for, for other people yeah. you know that in of itself he may not be even in your top 20 you know what I'm saying if you look at that one album had he not gotten into the accident, though, I have no doubt that my man would have been in the top five. You know? He's, I've always compared him to Gail Sayers <coughs> and Penny Hardaway. Mm-hmm. Injuries have taken them out so early, and if they hadn't got injured, it's the exact same thing. Remember when, remember when when uh, Let's Get uh, Funky Enough dropped? We all thought, before we actually saw him, we thought he was some roster or something. You know, yeah. you get the album, and then Mind Blowing comes on right after that song. <laughs> 
it's like, oh, it's completely, you know, it's completely flipped. Then you go to Doc and the Doctor, you go to the formula. You talk about, you know, diversity and, and able to do all these different whirlwind pyramid where he basically doesn't take a breath until like, you know, I think it's like three minutes or four minutes into the song. This cat was phenomenal. He was, you know, to me, he would have been one of the greatest, you know, of all time. Period. Combining lyrics with flow with vocals, because a lot of cats, you know, that I love, I can point to one thing and say, well, you know what? Great lyricist, vocally he's good, but he's not at the top. This cat right here, across the board, you know, what I'm saying he just he check marks everything across. He's the greatest. He's a great what if question. Continue that say, you know, but you probably don't want to talk about here. What if he hadn't gotten the concert? But at the same time, what you're saying. I think he answers a question inside of that what if. If he hadn't gotten that car accident, who would have been the voice voice of the West Coast? If he hadn't gotten the car accident, that's that's Pac's replacement right there. He, I mean, just, you know, and and a lot of this goes to to Dre's credit. You know, I said before, Dre, to me, has been a part of more classic albums. You know, not just great albums, but Mm -hmm. classic albums, any, any other producer. This was a classic album. And, you know, I, if you go through A through Z on that album, just listen through it start to finish, he runs the gamut, you know, and this, this cat, you know, just in, and the fact that he was writing for other people for NWA at the time, mm-hmm. responsible for a lot of that, the chronic, I think both chronic albums he wrote yep. for, um, Eminem has talked extensively about the influence, you know what yeah. I'm saying, that DLC had on him. Um, and I got a chance for first issue of King. Remember, I convinced Daytuan yeah. to let me go down there and interview mm-hmm. and, and just hung out with him for like two or three days mm-hmm. in uh, Dallas and really got a chance to like kind of dive into where, you know, he was at that point. So, and he talked extensively. If you that story that came in the mag came out in the magazine dove into a lot of. But one day, maybe I have to put like the unedited version on our website because he really got into some deep, deep stuff about where he was at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And it kind of puts into context the whole uh the zeitgeist really of that era and what la and where nwa and dre and all them it puts into context all that stuff that's happening he has he had a very unique position and point of view um because he witnessed all this and Mm -hmm. was a part of it Mm -hmm. um but to answer the question yes six man he's eternally going to be my sixth man because like i said the difference between him and the rest of you guys you you, the cast you guys mentioned it's not because anything he lacked it's what happened to him that keeps him out of that conversation yeah. All right, so that's that's my man. The other one, uh, I'll just throw this in. I just thought, I, 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 I just no, I just no, 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 you can't. After all you gave me, hell no. Thank you for joining us for episode 16 of the Music Snobs podcast. Find us online at themusicsnobs.com. Our Twitter handle is TotalMusicSnobs.com Our Facebook page is Facebook.com TheMusicSnobs And the entire show library is archived at SoundCloud.com TheMusicSnobs Thank you again, we'll see you at episode 17